On today's episode of the Friday Film Club, I'm joined by Amar Karim, who is a huge film fan. He loves horror, and you will hear him as the occasional co-host of the Scream podcast with Ryan Showers, who, coincidentally, was also a guest on the show, so do check out that episode as well. Uh, so as you can imagine, horror comes up a little bit in the show today, um, but we also talk about some of his other favourite films, and of course the challenges of trying to keep up with films when you've got five kids. I do not envy him. So follow us on social at the Fry Film Club and I hope you enjoy the show. So, Emma, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. No, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, Liam. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. It's the the wonderful uh, Twitterverse in action as we uh, we actually kind of introduced each other through Ryan Showers, who also has a, an amazing podcast. If you haven't heard it, go listen. Yeah, yeah, Ryan. Uh, well, yeah, I, Ryan's Ryan's uh, a person I've known for about ten years via Twitter. So I've never actually met him in person, but we communicate loads and um i've always liked podcasts so his was the first one that i listened to and well not listened to but joined and then i heard him join yours and i was like oh this will be interesting so uh <laughs> thanks for having me yeah not a problem uh so tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh my name's amar i'm from leeds in england 41 i father of five kids so i am pretty busy I do enjoy films, traveling, writing, reading, bit of acting on the side. So uh, I try to keep myself busy, basically. I was going to ask, how do you have time to watch films with five kids? But how do you have time to do any of that with five kids? Well, you, you've just got to prioritize. Honestly, <laughs> you've just, it's like all day long. It's just mental. It really is like the Home Alone house, kids running everywhere. <laughs> um, so we have a routine. And once it hits eight o'clock, I'm like, right get to bed um i need that me time so yeah i hardly sleep to be honest that's why i've got all this all this gray in my beard but uh <laughs> yeah it's gonna be done i have too many too many passions and stuff that i like doing so yeah i keep myself busy fair enough and uh, uh like have you have you found that you've gone to streaming a lot more uh, well i did i did run back to the cinema once it opened just for the experience mm. but i've streamed quite a lot to be honest i mean my philosophy beforehand was because of the children let's not watch too much television but there was a point where it was like well what else can we do so i think <laughs> I've, binged, I've netflix has spoiled me i've binge watched everything now so uh yeah 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 do you have a bit of um uh, an embargo then on, on what you uh, how much tv you let your kids watch yes but that kind of went out the window during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. uh, when the first lockdown happened, we were in a much smaller house. So we actually moved just before the second lockdown. And luckily for us, the house that we moved to now has a garden all the way around it. So in the summer, I was just like, go out and play, you know, get your knees dirty, whatever. So that was a relief. And they've enjoyed that. But I try not to let them watch too much television, just, just for their own sanity, to be honest. I mean, even if I sit there and watch television, I just become couch potato so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's easy to get into that habit right but um, I, I was talking to my wife uh, recently actually we because we, we we love a bit of horror and uh, we were discussing you know the, the the future when there might be kids in our life as well and um 
at what age is it acceptable to to share horror films with your kids and and are there any that are just completely off limits right so my my eldest now is 15 but i think he was about 10 when we had the conjuring and i didn't allow him to watch it and i remember his cousins had come over for the weekend and i was like okay you want like a slumber party it's fine mm. so i went to bed and I, I halfway through, I just heard the screaming. So I came downstairs and we're all watching Conjuring and they're on the final scene. And my, old, <laughs> my, 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 my son's cousins are a lot older. So they were loving it. And he was literally behind a pillow. And I was like, no, you're not watching this. Get upstairs. So my daughter, who's now 12, going on 13, she watches horror films with me. Mm. But the others are like two, five and seven. And I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, again, it depends on each child, but I think, you know, seven is still too young, though I obviously snuck films, VHS films, and watched them behind my parents' back when I was about seven, so just, it just I don't admit that to them, obviously. <laughs> Much harder to do, though, back when we were kids, like, because there, yeah, there was no yeah. Netflix, you had to actually get a physical copy of something, right? Well, my father owned a video store, oh, that so was handy. I would... Yeah, and we used to live just above it. So if my, <laughs> if my dad's listening, you'll kill me. But I would go downstairs and find like Halloween. That's where I, I discovered like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'd go upstairs and put them. I'd be I'd be petrified, but I'd be so intrigued <laughs> by it. So yeah, yeah. But, Joe, I always remember walking into a video store as a kid, and I remember seeing on the shelf the VHS for Child's Play Two. And it just had, the cover was just a, a big close-up of Chucky's face. And mm. it gave me nightmares for years. That, that, that just one image just stuck with me. Well, it's, it's amazing how that happens because now that you've mentioned that, and, and, and this is not even a scary image, but have you heard of House, the, the, the horror film House from mm. the 80s? Yeah. It's just like a, a zombie hand without an arm pressing a doorbell. And to me, that was the creepiest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> uh, I eventually watched the film and I was petrified of it at that age. But that was, yeah, that reminds me of the, what you just said about Chucky. So, same yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's let's dive into the questions. I have a feeling horror might come up once or twice again. Uh, it so, might, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is your favourite film of all time? Uh, scream. Uh, surprise, surprise. Yeah, the first Scream film. Now, I thought about this and there are lots of films that for me are just as good. But if I'm 100% honest, it's the one that I go back to and revisit all the time. It's the one that wanted me to become a writer. You know, I, it, it's just taken over my life as Scream. Uh, you can ask any of my friends. You know, I, there was a point where I, well, in fact, just recently when my son and I were watching it, after about 10 minutes, he goes, I'm, I'm leaving, going upstairs. And I was like, oh, this is the best bit. It's a Casey Becker bit. And he goes, you don't realise, but you've just quoted it word for word. What's the point of me watching it? And I was like, oh, sorry, I won't do that again. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a scream nerd. I do, I do really like that film. And what are your thoughts on the upcoming um, Scream 5 or Scream? Yeah, so... As a Scream fan, I, I I was just ecstatic that they were making a new one, to be mm. honest. I did have, obviously, some apprehension about, is it going to be good? Are they going to mess it up? Is no Wes Craven? But now that I've seen the trailer and some additional scenes and all the promotion that's going on, I actually have high hopes for it, to be mm. honest. Yeah, yeah I really do. It's very, um, very in the same vein as as the, the, the predecessors in the series. Uh, when we... So I actually saw the trailer for the first time in the cinema a couple of weeks back. And yeah, it was just barring 
Courtney Cox and Neve Campbell looking a little bit older than they were in the first film. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think that I, I personally, I think they've aged really well. And I was just excited to see them both. Even Dewey, and I've not been, big, you know, Dewey's biggest fan, but I'm, I'm glad that he's back. Yeah. And it, it does, to be honest with you, it does look very brutal, even though, you know, well, we don't really get all the plot details in it at all. But I'm just excited. I'm obviously a big Ghostface fan. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I guess what would, what would be uh, your kind of runners up in terms of favourite horror films? Favourite horror films apart from Scream. So I do like the Halloween uh, series, not all of them, the original, the H2O, even the new 2018 and Kills. Um, I've been a big fan of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. I do love the Conjuring universe. I even really enjoyed It, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. I know what you did last summer. All the 90s slashers, I was a big, you know, I would just go to the cinema. I was like 18, 19 when they all released. And I think mm. I've watched every single slasher stroke <laughs> horror film in the cinema. So I, I do, it's my favorite genre, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say there's a definite kind of slasher theme in your in your preferences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my uh, my wife was like, you know, is there something about you I should know? I'm like, no, it's just <laughs> I love horror. I'm not a psycho or anything. So, um <laughs> Like like Billy says, you know, um, they make psychos more creative. They don't create psychos, so thankfully, you know, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this brings us on to uh, what is your least favorite film of all time? So, the answer that I've gone for, I've gone for because of the hype at the time, and it's 1999's Blair Witch Project. Now, that might horrify a few people. Yeah. Like, why? There are a lot of films that are on par with that. I mean, I could even go with All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. It's a slasher again. Mm -hmm. But the reason I've chosen The Blair Witch Project is because for me, yeah, I get that they were, it was it was a new concept and, you know, it, it had all the hype and it was great. But I remember watching it in the cinema and thinking, A, there's nothing much happening for me. Mm. And I, and I realized from that film that I suffer from motion sickness, why I can't <laughs> play stuff like Call of Duty anymore. Um, and at the end of the film, when they were running around, I actually got out of the cinema and left, and my friends thought I was scared. Mm. And I left because I thought I was actually going to be physically sick. So it, it just didn't do anything for me. I don't think the camera did anything, and I think the film was overhyped. And, you know, I get that it's got this cult status, but I just think it's, it's so overhyped, it's unbelievable. Yeah, see, um, I, I actually uh, quite quite enjoy the Blair Witch Projects, but I, I completely agree with you that when you build such a massive hype train for a film, it needs to deliver. And they created this, well, they, they sold it as uh, basically a, a slasher film, a bunch of kids go into the woods and get killed. Mm -hmm. But and considering that this is over 20 years old now, I'm not going to worry too much about putting a spoiler in here because... The, the actual slasher element of the film only really comes at the very, very end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even then, there's just a lot of screaming and running around. And I get the last image was pretty spooky when he stood in the corner, not, and, you know, and it obviously because you know the story of the Blair Witch. But mm. I mean, I didn't see the ending until it came on like DVD because I actually left the cinema. And the funny thing is, the same day we, we were cinema buffs, um, the same day we got free tickets for a screening of The Sixth Sense. So we watched The Blair Witch Project, calmed myself down, had a couple of hours, and the same group of went, friends went to watch that. Mm. And in comparison, I thought that was a masterpiece. So, <laughs> you know, I think that's why I don't think The Blair Witch is that good, to be honest. But, you know, anyone yeah. that loves it, good for them, good for them, you know? Yeah, and, um, you know, I think 
there's there's definitely a contrast, and I think my dog's got something to say about this as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, he's not uh, happy what I think. So. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think you know, I, I'm not a big Shyamalan fan, but I do think his early stuff was was a bit of a masterclass in how to build suspense and then mm. do a complete kind of uh, like curve at the end and um, throw yeah. a twist at you. And the Blair Witch Project, I think, was trying to. It, it wasn't even a twist, was it? It was just, it was building up to this big crescendo that never quite delivered. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I see it, definitely. Though I do think it was, it was, I still enjoy the film, but I, I get that. I don't think that's a hugely controversial choice because it is, <laughs> it's a slow burner, isn't it, as far as horror goes? It is. And, and to be honest with you, surprisingly, I can give films a chance. I've never switch the film off halfway, even if it's abysmal, because I always think there must be something at the end. And obviously mm. people have worked on films, but for me, that's just, and and, I, and again, I chose it because of the hype and how popular it is and how much money it made based on its budget. So yeah. that's the main reason I went with that one, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so next question for you, uh, which film or TV character do you most relate to and why? So have you seen Lost? The TV I show have. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack from Lost. Now, I've chosen him, and I and I think I'm very similar to him. Not because I have all the leadership qualities that he seems to to portray when he, you know, when it when he's faced with a decision. But what I like about Jack and what I think I have in me is that he keeps going. You know, he doesn't give up on humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets emotional if people are dying around him. Not that people are dying around me, but <laughs> I, I, I think that I, I relate to people quite a lot. So, you know, I um, I latch on. Um, and, 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 and the good thing about Jack is he might not always be right, but if he believes he's doing the right thing, then he'll do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, when I was watching it, I think, I think at the time he was, there was a scene where he was just emotional and I was an emotional wreck and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm the same as him. You know, I'm trying, <laughs> not always right, but I try. So I think he's the one that popped out at me. I mean, most people, if you ask most people, they're like, Jack, you're more Xander from Buffy. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the traits of, the traits of Jack from Lost, I believe I have, or that are similar to mine. And I guess a bit of a side question here then, because Lost uh, has a big ensemble. If you if you were on the desert island, like who would who would you be who would you kill first? Um, I would. Oh, what's his name? The one that Jack clashes with is it John? No, not John. The the bold guy. I forgot his name now. Oh, uh, yeah, John Locke, isn't it? It's John Locke. Yeah. Yeah. I used to find John Locke's decisions would annoy me quite a bit. Maybe that's why I like Jack actually, because they <laughs> clashed all the time. And I remember, I mean, obviously the actor that portrays him was brilliant, but I remember going through all six seasons and I thought he, he was the one that irritated me the most. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I get that. I get that. And very important question as we're on the subject of lost, what were your thoughts on the final episode? <sighs> I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I was just like all six seasons just for that, you know. I mean, I still accepted it because I spent six years watching it and even got all the DVDs up here, but it disappointed me a little, to be honest. And it was mm. halfway through the, the three, I think at the end of the third season, I was like, I hope it's not going to go in the direction I think it's going to go, and that's what they did. So I was just like, yeah, it's a bit of a cheap way out, to be honest. Yeah, it did. It did feel like a bit of a cop out. Um, oh, definitely. You know, and and I think it was just such an easy way to explain all the stuff over the last six years that they didn't really have an answer for. 
No, well, I remember at the time reading something, and they said that at the time the, the the writers or the producers were only supposed to have three seasons, and because it was so popular, they were like, "Well, let's extend this." And every time I was like, "Well, do you even know where it's going?" And I don't think they did. Mm. I really don't think they did. They're like, "Yeah, let's just throw this in," and it, and it kind of makes everything okay. I was like, "But it doesn't." So <laughs> it was it was possibly one of the biggest final episode disappointments of all time. But yeah. I've come to accept it though. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's one of those just overhyped because I remember my dad woke up at about 5am uh, or whatever time it was being because because they synced the uh, the broadcast with the American premiere as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. And he got up early, watched it live. And uh, I, at that point, I remember my, my interest was like fading a little bit in the show. I was sort of catching mm. the odd episode here and there, which probably wasn't very conducive to enjoying it. But uh, mm. Yeah, but I specifically did watch that last episode and thought, it's a bit of a letdown. You see, the only time I've ever got up or to, to watch something that was aired at the same time as America was the Game of Thrones finale. Mm. Um, and I had a very, very similar sentiment to that as well. <laughs> so let's not let's not get into there because uh, I have my opinions on that last episode, so... Uh, oh, there's loads of shows like that where they, they kind of disappoint you and it's it's unfortunate because you spend, invest so much time with them. Yeah, Game of Thrones is a particular bugbear of mine uh, because uh, my wife and I thought we'd catch up on all the hype because everyone was going mad for the last season and we just sort of avoided it because it felt like a big commitment. We literally spent a month of our lives binging Game of Thrones from start to finish. We I think we caught up by the time, uh, about midway through the last series, and then all of that effort, all of that time for what they then did in the last episode, it was like, oh, come on. You know, I was I was just, even though people are saying to me, well, it would have been too obvious, I was rooting for Daenerys all the way through it. <laughs> and they, they, they betrayed her character so much. I was mm. like, no, no, not having this. So, you know, I mean, I won't degrade them in the sense that they still spent a lot of money on it and I don't mm. hate it as much as people do. Like, oh, let's refilm it. no. But yeah, I was, I was, I was upset. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people were. Yeah. Um, so are they, oh, they're, they're doing a prequel, aren't they? Actually. Yes, I saw a teaser trailer for it, and it does look good. But I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna just hold out for a bit. I'm not gonna <laughs> push into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think any any excitement that there would have been has, has been <laughs> um, significantly stemmed by the last series. Yeah. But okay, next question: If your life was to be turned into a film what genre would it be and who would play you surprisingly actually my life would be drama it really would you know i mean if you think eastenders has drama you don't know anything about my life i mean <laughs> it's just constant um, being asian i can only go with a certain amount of people i think from what i've seen on interviews and how this guy is in person i think rahul Kohli, that's in um Blind Manor and iZombie, yeah. he definitely would 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 play me. But because he's like six foot four and I'm only like five eight, that's probably not going to work. So I'll have to go with Riz Ahmed. I'm afraid he seems to be slightly shorter. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I try I try to be happy, but there's always something going on. So definitely drama, something new every day, twists and turns. Yeah. Um, but you got to stay positive. So one of those two guys, definitely. Fair enough. Riz Ahmed is a solid choice, but I think nowadays uh, they could. Do a bit of fancy editing and CGI and uh, get that height difference down. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, to be honest with you, if they wanted to make a, a, 
film or TV show in my life, I, I'm like, excuse me, can you pick me instead? I'll I'll play myself. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, those yeah those two guys are good. So, what would be the kind of big moment in the in the film? What what would be that that huge point in your life that would be the biggest draw? Uh, the biggest draw is um, the first time I managed to say no to people. I know that sounds just very boring, but there was the, the drama that ensued after that. It was just like, <laughs> you know, an iconic sequence in any TV show. You know, it was just full of drama and annoyance. Not saying that my life is just full of drama, but uh, it, yeah, there was just something and everybody else, the look of shock in everybody's eyes. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm living for myself. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, nothing, you know, surprisingly, nothing major has happened. Like, I haven't you know, robbed a bank or there's no serial killer after me or anything like that. So no alien invasion. But yeah, I mean, I thought I thought horror and serial killer would be too obvious. But now that I think about it, yeah, it'd be something very simple, but a proper shock moment for the audience, at least. Yeah. Were, were yeah. you were you always quite, um, uh, I don't know if, if shy is the right word, but were, uh, do you consider yourself more of an introvert? Surprisingly, no. I, I think I'm quite, quite outgoing. But my problem was, and I don't know why this is, when I was growing up, I would just say yes to everyone, not because I wanted them to be my friend. It was more like I didn't want to disappoint people. And then it comes to a point where you say yes to five people, you're going to have to let someone down. And then they're like, oh, you're unreliable. So I thought, right, I need to to sort out my life. So, yeah, yeah, when people first meet me, they say you're very shy. And then they get to know me and they're like, we wish you were still shy. So (laughs) keep talking. Fair enough. Um, so, what is your most nostalgic film? The Goonies. The Goonies, Great definitely. Great yeah, choice. I, when I first saw it, I must have, I think it released in 85, so I was five or so like the year after I was six. Mm. And I think for about 10 years, up until Scream came out in 96, I, was, I used to believe I was a Goonie. I used to, we used to go into, I was saying to my children, I was like, you guys don't know what fun is. You know, you're on the phone, <laughs> you're in, youtube and, and netflix like we would go out we would go into that's why i, I love stranger things so much because it reminds me of when we were children and how mm. we would go out on our bmx and explore and fall down and find a quarry and god knows what so goonies was definitely part uh, of that it, you know it it inspired us as friends to go out and look for treasure which we never found mm. you know still looking for it so yeah nostalgic definitely i mean even now when it comes on i will sit down and just watch it i'll put it on on purpose sometimes so that's that's an incredible choice. I, I love the Goonies, and yeah, I think so. I was I was born in '86, so um, the Goonies came out just before I was born. Yeah. But it was still one of those. It, it was still one of like the biggest films for kids uh, as as I got older. And I I have exactly the same kind of sentiment towards it as you. You know, I was out every night with my friends, and there was I could yeah I I could still watch the Goonies now and just still wish that that we'd stumbled across some treasure cave with a pirate ship in it there's there's one out there we need to go looking for it i'm sure there's <laughs> one out there definitely definitely we'll find it when we're about 70 we're like oh we can't run after that treasure now but yeah it's it's such a great film you know it was so it's just so brilliant everything about it the soundtrack the characters yeah it's so good yeah. yeah, and it, it was um it was Spielberg, wasn't it? Did, did he direct it or he produced it? I think Richard Donner directed it, mm. if I'm correct. The yeah. guy that did Superman, I'm sure it was him. Yeah, um, which is just a great combination. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And it has that Spielberg vibe. And like I said, mm. you know, the the, uh, the soundtrack is brilliant. You know, it's upbeat, and it's got some great villains. You know, uh, yeah. so yeah, Ma Ma was hilarious. So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you're bringing back memories. I love the Goonies. I wasn't expecting that answer, but that's that's it's it's just so feel good. And I was just thinking, Spielberg, even if you look at his later stuff, the stuff that's more tailored towards families, like um, I say, later stuff, Polar Express was a while back now, and um, Tintin. There's still those vibes. You watch them, and there's still like the Goonies. It was just it's so seminal. But even he's still using a lot of the same techniques he used in that oh, film. Yeah. Well, I think obviously he's realised it was a winning formula, so he needs to embed that in his films. And The Polar Express, again, I think that should have got more credit than it deserved, and I think it's a great film. And even Tintin, it was meant to be a new trilogy, so I believe. Mm. But I don't think it did as well as they wanted, so that's probably why they didn't make the sequel. But it, it's great. It's such a good film. Yeah. Maybe kids of today, just where... I, I think Spielberg is starting to become a director of his time and of our generation. Because I don't feel like the stuff that he does now, when he steps out of the kind of war film, um, which he seems to be very entrenched in now, um, when he mm. steps out of that and does something more family oriented, it doesn't just have the same impact as it did when he made them when we were kids. And I just wonder if that's because he's just, he found a way to touch a nerve for our generation and it's not quite translating anymore. No, I don't think it is. And I think also, you know, because we were younger, we we believed in that world a lot more. I think mm. kids these days, they just um, desensitize us so much that they don't believe in that fantasy world. And as a kid, you wanted to be part of that world, mm. I think, for me anyway, you know. And that's why even Hook, you know, I remember the adults, you know, degrading Hook. I used to think it was brilliant, you know. <laughs> Robin Williams, what's not to like, you know, it was... It was great. So I do love, and, and, and surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, but I've, I said to my children, well, my youngest three once said to me a couple of years ago, they said, films in your year must have been, your era must have been really boring. So I was <laughs> very, I was very offended. So, and, and in lockdown, we've done that. We watched all the classics and my eldest turned around and said, mm, I can see why your childhood was great. He watched Labyrinth and Willow and, and all yeah. those kind of films. And he's like, these are actually really good. And I'm like, yes, they are. So and we had a great childhood, I think. We, we absolutely did. And I think the film that, that seems to get lost, um, but to me, just really defines a point in my childhood, is the never-ending story. Oh, oh my God. What a <laughs> yes. that, that was one that I made my daughter, and I say I made my daughter watch about two months ago, and, I, and we were going through all of them, and she's like, I've seen them all. She'd hide it to please. And I it just clicked, and I went, how, and I said, "Never Ending Story" is one of the films that I bawled my eyes out. You know, <laughs> you, you know which scene I'm talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I was just, and, and then my daughter came around. She goes, "That that was awful. Why did you make me watch it?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> it had the same impact. That's good." Yeah, yeah, great film, absolutely brilliant film. Yeah, I will, I will argue um, to the death. The the millennial uh, films were uh, second to none. And I will, I will never be uh, challenged on that. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so final question. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Okay. So with guilty pleasure, I mean, I don't really believe in the term as such. I always feel that if you like something, you like something. Mm. Well, like music. I love, if you listen to any of my, like a, a mixtape that I had, it would have everything on it. 
R&B, pop, even rock, like that. So my film taste is usually like that. It's quite varied, even though I say horror all the time. But if I had to just go with the term guilty pleasure, then I would have to say Disney films. And I mean animated Disney films, you know, mm. post the 90s era, stuff like Bolt and Moana and mm-hmm. Big Hero 6. I mean, technically, people will say to me now, they're like, oh, you're 40 plus, and why are you watching films? And I'm like, winking and saying yeah i'm taking my child to the cinema to watch it but really it's for me you know so even now you know i can again through lockdown we we caught up on a lot of stuff and i watch stuff like um an american tale uh you know fern gully i know Mm. i know they're not disney but they've got that nostalgic feel so if i went disney stroke 80s animation there we go 90s animation yeah and uh, i love more yeah i do so. Now I'm I'm with you on on the whole Disney thing, and I think particularly, you see it more in maybe Pixar films, but I think all Disney films they kind of they knew very early on that in order to get people into the cinema, they had to appeal to the parents just as much as the kids. And there's always this crazy like subtext underneath the main narrative that is just that's so deep, like. Well, you're right. Pixar are definitely the masters of it. You know, mm. it was from from Toy Story even up to to the most recent one. I think it was Luca, maybe. But Up was a prime example of that. You know, the first yeah. first ten minutes is hardly any speech, and just watching that at the cinema. And my son was quite young then, and I was just like, "Wow, what am I watching here?" And he looked, and he didn't get it at first, and then mm. he's like where's his wife gone? And I was like, right, uh, let me explain what's just happened there. So yeah, they do it really well. And you're right, you know, uh, Disney obviously do it. And that's what's great about them. They have to appeal. I mean, some of the jokes the kids don't even get, they're just laughing at the slapstick er element of it. And then the adults are laughing because they understand the joke. And you've got to be, you know, have good writers and directors to to master that. So yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, Pixar is brilliant. Inside Out, I think is an absolute masterclass in how to create a film that appeals to literally everyone so yeah yeah i mean i was saying to ryan actually um because of ryan i joined this app called letterbox only because Mm. i could review it and you can put a list of all your favorite films and i would look at people's lists and you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion obviously and someone would put a list of their favorite pixar films in order and their bottom five were inside out up toy story 3 which for me is great uh, the Incredibles, and and it was something else, and I was horrified. And I was like, "How can they be your bottom five? They're like my top five, you know." So I went and I went, "I'll show you." So I went and did uh, a little list, and Inside Out's a classic, you know. Yeah. It's just it for me, it's ten out of ten, really yeah. is. So, absolutely, yeah. I, I I do think though, when it comes to ranking Pixar films, the bar is just so damn high. Like, yeah. there's in anyone's bottom five, there's going to be a very like highly contestable choice. Yeah, well, you see, this is what I was saying um, to my son. Again, I keep mentioning them because they look at what I do and they're, like, they're a little interested. And even his choice is different to mine. But we both agreed that our bottom three were exactly the same. Not necessarily, I only think that Pixar possibly made two bad films. Mm. The rest are perfect or almost perfect. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've just got the formula down to an absolute oh, yeah. T, haven't they? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, great choice. Uh, so... I guess before we let you go, uh, firstly, thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. It's been great. Thank you for having me. And if anyone did want to connect with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Amar Kareem, which is A-M-A-R 
K-A-R-I-M. And you'll just see me on there just chatting about mainly about films, Buffy, acting, TV shows, you name it. Maybe throw the odd picture of my a child in or complain about not getting enough sleep. So uh, if you want to follow, yeah, definitely do. Awesome. Well, it's been great chatting to you and no doubt we'll do a sequel at some point in the future. I hope so. Everybody needs a sequel. So, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Emma. Thank you. See ya. That's it for this week of the Friday Film Club. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can rate and review us on all good podcast platforms. Also, uh, do reach out to us on social media at the Fry Film Club on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to be a guest in a future episode, do drop us a message on social media or email liam at hefcorp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>